Larson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode 17. We missed it last week. Is that week. right? Yeah. Okay, because no, right. I I titled this one this week and I was concerned. Ooh. And I'm realizing now I forgot to bold it. I never forget to bold my titles. It's going to throw me off. Okay, hold on. A sec. No, wait. There. Okay. We come to you from Okinsis and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsina Nations, the Iahe and Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes on the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. Our sources for the show today, Britannica.ca, the Canadian Encyclopedia.ca, and Olympics.com. Wow. Okay, so what I was going to say yeah. is that I actually am the reason that that wasn't bolded. Oh. I copied it because we both made a, a doc for this. Right. And then I copied in some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I uh, also I copied in the title. Oh. So that's why it was, you did bold it, but then I was oh, just like, okay. copy over it. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fair. Also, we missed it last week, but we are now, our episodes are old enough to drive without an adult in the car. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Shit, yeah. We're probably going to our first party with alcohol now, even though we're not supposed to. 17. <laughs> yeah. Is that too late? <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yes, no, and now, like, there, there would be, uh, aside from, like, the regular rules of the road, um, I don't know, like, what kind of, I don't know, again, we've established I have no idea about the driving laws for young Albertans mm-hmm. in this province, but, uh, in Saskatchewan, when I was growing up anyway, I do believe now, like, there's no restrictions on you. Right, well, now in Alberta, you do have, a GDL, a graduated driver's license. Oh, uh, okay. But you... There's like minor restrictions, then you have to do that money grab two years after you get it, where you oh. get just another license. Oh, that's yeah. lame. Yeah, super lame. Yeah, mine was like a six month probation period, and then off you go. And it's then, just so funny. And then I got into a crash. About this. I got into a crash um, eight months after I got my driver's license. So oh, two shit. two months out of the um, two months out of the probationary period, I was like, well. <laughs> Oh my god! What kind of crash? What happened? Tell us. Oh, uh, no, it's fine. It it was entirely my fault. I crashed into a park vehicle, so that's. <laughs> it was notoriously that. fast moving. Right hard to see parked. Jumped cars. out of the way. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I've never been in a car crash. Can you believe that? Um, I can't because I've been in one with okay, you. Okay, okay, okay. Somebody <laughs> rear-ended me. Yeah. <laughs> but that like, is two cars crashing together. Right. You've never been at fault for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the only one I've been in. And it was like, I don't know, how many years ago was that? Four and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I've been in two. Memories. One was very much not my fault. Yeah. That was right before we met. That's true. Yeah. Okay, now we're getting into me. Anyways, we're character. talking about Terry Fox today, if you haven't already guessed. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I want to say before we start, um, I think that I made a mistake Uh-oh. in our last episode. I called okay. Terry Fox Canada's dad, and he is indeed 21. Right. Uh, 22. 22, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard, I'd never heard the Canada's dad thing, but I just kind of assumed that was something I'd never, like, I had missed on, so. You were just letting me do that thing where I say whatever I want and I ramble? Yep. I appreciate that. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like a, a true Canadian hero, for sure. Sure, so, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's. That checks out. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're starting now? Is that what we're doing? Uh, well, thank you, first oh, of all, right. okay. to everyone who's downloaded and 
left yeah. us a review. Got or a lot of a positive star. feedback from the, the last couple of episodes. So greatly appreciate that. Because mm-hmm. as we discussed a few times, A, a lot of work went into those. And mm-hmm. B, it was not, I mean, again, we are far from the victims in this whole thing. Like, oh uh, no, we yeah. had to read about stuff. As in we're not. Right. But um, yeah, that, that was not an easy process to go through. Mm-hmm. And so to, to have people kind of appreciating what we were doing was really, really nice. And hopefully it has kind of given you, I don't want to say inspired you, because I don't think anything I do well, inspires anyone. But I hope that it, it at least gives you a kick in the ass to go forth and learn more about the shitty things that have happened on the line we lived on uh, over the last 150 to 200 years. Totally. A nice little jump off point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, so thank you. Thank mm. you, thank you, thank you. And yeah. uh, We'll say this at the end, but please remember to rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Totally. Okay, Terry Fox. All right. Are you uh, going? Sure, in full, Terrence Stanley Fox, which I honestly, I, ne- I never thought about it. I never thought that his name would not be Terry. Right. Terrence makes sense. I didn't. I I, I never thought that Terry. <laughs> we're three words into this. Um, I never. I thought, had no idea. I had never thought of Terry as an abbreviation for anything. So no, I literally full name yeah. Terry, short for Terry. Anyways, Terrence. Uh, it's a solid name. <laughs> was born July twenty eighth, nineteen fifty eight, in Winnipeg. The Fox family moved to Port Coquitlam in BC when he was ten. He played basketball, but as a kid, when sports got more competitive, he was told by coaches to try running instead. It's at least like a little funny. Right. Uh, He did try out for track type stuff, but continued to play basketball. In grade eight, he only had one minute of appearance time in the basketball season. Uh, And then to show you his determination by grade 10, he and his best friend, Doug Allward, were starting guards on the junior high basketball team. They were both awarded that year with the school's Athlete of the Year Award. In grade 11, he continued his run as guard for the high school team while also running cross country. Hmm. Um, He also had time to spare for soccer and rugby. After high school, Terry made the junior varsity basketball team at Simon Fraser University. I just want to say that when we were going through the notes and it was like, oh, in uh, grade 11, he ran cross country. I was like, whoa, he was that young when he started it? Oh, wow. Is, is actually what I thought. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, cross country is like a track event yeah, where you a, just like don't run on a track. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I am an adult woman who can drive a car. <laughs> so there's that. In 1976, at the age of 18, he began to notice pain in his leg. Thinking the pain was from uh, rear-ending a truck while driving on the highway, he let it go on for a few months. But by the end of 1976, the pain wouldn't stop, so it was thought that maybe it was a cartilage problem due to the stress of playing so many sports. In February of 1977, at the end of the basketball season, he was given painkillers by the SFU health staff. In early March, after a light training run, which is probably a full-on sprint for me, Fox was in so much pain he could barely move, so he went to a family doctor who suspected the problem was serious. Rolly Fox, Terry's dad, took Terry the next day to a hospital where they were quickly seen by an orthopedic surgeon. From the x-rays, it was suspected that Fox had an osteogenic sarcoma, a type of bone cancer that often starts in the knee. 
Suspicions were confirmed following a bone scan, and because cancer spreads quickly, doctors felt Fox's best chance for survival was amputation of his right leg, followed by chemotherapy. The surgery was scheduled for less than a week after the findings, and family and friends poured in to let them know how much he was loved. The best friend that he shared the Athlete of the Year award in grade 10 with, Doug, was one of those people which is really, oh, really nice. nice. That's sweet. Classmates from SFU came to see him and dropped off homework, and his coaches from high school, basketball, came by as well. One of the coaches dropped off an article from a magazine called Runner's World that featured Dick Trom, an amputee who had run the New York City Marathon. The following morning, Fox showed the article to his nurse and said, someday I'm going to do something like that. That makes me want to cry. I know. Meh. Also, like, that, that just, that must be just a whirlwind week. It's like, so, uh, this isn't exactly what you thought it was. It's cancer. We're going to have to remove part of your leg. Totally. And that's going to happen in a week. So, yeah, there you go. Like, I, I can't, at any age, I can't imagine if that happened to me tomorrow, that would be mind-boggling. At someone in college, that, that I couldn't imagine wrapping my head around that. Totally. Uh, so, March of 1977, doctors amputated his right leg 15 centimeters above the knee. Within weeks of the surgery, uh, Terry was walking with the help of an artificial leg. Less than a month later, he was playing golf with his father. Terry began a 16-month program of chemotherapy where every three weeks, he would visit a clinic and was given drugs that caused his hair to fall out and made him nauseous like normal chemotherapy stuff if you've ever had to deal with it or you know someone who has. Despite this, he felt fortunate compared to others at the clinic, uh, some of whom were dying, and he felt a sense of responsibility that came with being one of the survivors. That summer, Fox received a phone call asking if he would like to join the Vancouver Cable Cars wheelchair basketball team. Of course, Fox said mm -hmm. yes. He practiced hard. His hands were blistering and bleeding as he learned an entirely different way to play basketball while still undergoing chemotherapy, Hold which on. again is crazy. Can I pause you here? Yeah. Imagine being that coach in like grade eight or whatever we said it was, who's mm -hmm. like, you should try running instead. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Bet you feel like a dick. <laughs> um, have you ever tried wheelchair basketball? Uh, I've barely tried basketball. Okay, fair. It is insanely difficult. Oh, to I do. bet. Um, and how, like, how do you move and dribble? Well, you don't. It, it's in your lap, and there are various rules that go oh. along with. That. At least that's. I took one day of of this as a like a, a program that came to our school. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it is incredibly difficult wow. and to to like just have that have everything going on that he just went through mm -hmm. continued to go through and then learning this while undergoing chemotherapy which i've never had to deal with but from all accounts kind of sucks so and yeah i'm just gonna learn a completely new way to play this sport totally like, just unbelievable yeah by the end of the summer he had been chosen for the team that would compete at the 1977 national wheelchair basketball championships fox played with the cable cars from 1977 to 1980 winning a national championship in 1978 and 1979 in the 1979-80 season fox was selected for the all-star team of the north american wheelchair basketball association by that point, he was playing three nights a week and would also train in his wheelchair along roads and pathways. Level services be damned, he climbed both Westwood and Burnaby Mountain in his wheelchair. I looked those up. Yeah. Um, there are multiple trails on both of them. They're like bike trails. Mm -hmm. But no matter what like path or trail you would take, it would be hundreds of meters of elevation. Like, come wow. on. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Like, I'm already, uh, you can stop now. I'm already impressed. Right. This is already so much. <laughs> uh, inspired by the article that he had seen about Dick Trom and witnessing so many others battling with cancer, he was determined to do something to help. Fox decided he would run across Canada to raise awareness and funds for cancer research. So keep in mind the years here. This is in 1978. So he's playing wheelchair. I wrote b-ball. <laughs> he's playing wheelchair basketball while he starts his training. Uh, he begins by running around the local junior high track, only getting less than a kilometer. Then after a month, he's able to go a kilometer and a half. A modified prosthesis, right? Mm -hmm. A modified prosthesis that could better withstand the impact of running was made for him. It is the the, the time at the, the cancer center that he was at. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're not listing it as um, a source because didn't take any notes from it. But the ESPN 30 for 30 that Steve Nash did, they really did focus on that time where he was like, I'm just like, this is just a leg everyone else is dealing with like real life stuff and not that he mm. wasn't but he just it's it's an incredibly mature perspective to have for someone that age and then to use that as inspiration to go make more change it, it's just obviously we're dealing with a pretty incredible human being here. right he's like 19 and 20 while he's getting exactly chemotherapy. Yeah. in spring of 1979 he completed a fucking marathon i know i'm like <laughs> like <laughs> Here we are in the summer of 2021, and I have yet to complete my marathon. Yeah, exactly. And he did this while trying to figure out how something could fit to the rest of his leg. Like, just yeah. incredible. In the middle of August, he ran a 27-kilometer race after only planning to do a 15-kilometer one with his buddy Doug and brother Daryl. After the race with his brother and friend, Fox was convinced that he could start his run across Canada the following spring. Up until this point, only Doug and another friend knew of his plan to run across the country. Now, with the start date in mind, it was time to tell his parents. His mother, Betty, thought he was nuts. And his father, who probably had a pretty good understanding that he's going to do this anyway, just asked, all right, when are we starting? <laughs> By the time Fox began his Marathon of Hope in April of 1980, he had logged more than 5,000 kilometers on training runs. He also enlisted the support of the Canadian Cancer Society and the War Amps. Fox wrote a letter to the Canadian Cancer Society explaining his motivation. The letter goes, The night before my amputation, my former basketball coach brought me a magazine with an article on an amputee who ran the New York Marathon. It was then I decided to meet this new challenge head-on and not only overcome my disability, but conquer it in such a way that I could never look back and say it disabled me. But I soon realized that that would only be half my quest, for as I went through the 16 months of physically and emotionally draining ordeal of chemotherapy, I was rudely awakened by the feelings that surrounded and coursed through the cancer clinic. There were faces with the brave smiles and the ones who'd given up smiling. There were feelings of hopeful denial and the feelings of despair. My quest would not be a selfish one. I could not leave knowing these faces and feelings would still exist, even though I would be set free from mine. Somewhere the hurting must stop, and I was determined to take myself to the limit for this cause. By next April, I will be ready to achieve something that for me was once only a distant dream, reserved for the world of miracles, to run across Canada to raise money for the fight against cancer. The running I can do, even if I have to crawl every last mile. We need your help. The people in cancer clinics all over the world need people who believe in miracles. I'm not a dreamer, and I'm not saying that this will initiate any kind of definitive answer or cure to cancer, but I believe in miracles. I have to. Yeah. Incredible, huh? It honestly makes me a little teary. Yeah, of course. <sighs> okay, you go. Okay. <laughs> 
on average, Fox would run about 42 kilometers, so roughly a marathon, a day through the Atlantic provinces, Quebec and Ontario. He was supported by Doug, his friend, who drove a van along the route, and his brother Daryl, who joined them in New Brunswick. While media coverage was slow at first, communities in Newfoundland, such as Grand Falls and Bishop's Falls, came out to support Fox. Reception in Nova Scotia was disappointing, as few people in the province seemed to even know about the Marathon of Hope. According to Fox's diary, PEI was more hospitable, but then he was again disappointed to learn nothing had been arranged for them in St. John, New Brunswick. He and Doug decided to run through the city anyways. In Quebec, the Marathon of Hope had not been publicized through the province, and he raised almost no money there, which has to be just a a huge, huge bummer and just a a real downer. Yeah. When they reached Ontario, though, things really seemed to change. And in the the 30 for 30 documentary, which I really recommend people check out, Mm. it it does really seem like this was was when it turned from a, oh, this is kind of neat, to like a a Canadian hero story. Right. This is going to be something that we'll talk about in a podcast one day. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because of the combined efforts of a businessman, a representative with the Canadian Cancer Society's Ontario Division, and a journalist of the Toronto Star, the journalist, Leslie Scrivener, wrote a weekly column on Fox's progress and would later write his biography. Through Ontario, Fox was a star. He met Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, British actress Maggie Smith, and NHL legends Bobby Orr and Daryl Sittler, who presented Fox with a 1980 NHL All-Star sweater, as well as thousands of people cheering him on. With the crowds, it was a little bit safer to run in Ontario. Terry had come close to being hit by vehicles while running across the Atlantic provinces and Quebec. In Ontario, he had a police escort. He passed the halfway point in eastern Ontario, but on September 1st, 1980, chest pains forced him to stop just outside of Thunder Bay. The cancer had spread to his lungs and he was unable to continue, but by this time he had run for 143 days and covered 5,373 kilometers, the equivalent of more than 128 marathons. About $1.7 million had been raised, no thanks to Quebec, just saying. (laughs) But before returning to BC for treatment, Terry said, I'm going to do my very best. I'll fight. I promise I won't give up. The chairman and CEO of Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts committed to organizing a fundraiser that would be held every year in Terry's name. He said, quote, you started it. We will not rest until your dream to find a cure for cancer is realized. The Canadian television network, CTV, organized a star-studded telethon five days after Terry had to stop. It lasted five hours and got the fundraising total to $10 million. Less than two weeks later, Fox became the youngest person ever to be made a Companion of the Order of Canada, which is apparently our country's highest civilian honor. I did not know. Uh, He was also presented with the Order of the Dogwood, which was the precursor of the Order of British Columbia, the provinces. A much better name. The The Order Order of of the Dogwood? No, the Order of British Columbia sounds much more official and fancy sounding than the Order of the Dogwood. Yeah, totally it does. And it's... It's that province's highest civilian honor. That's cool. Sorry. In December, he was named Newsmaker of the Year by the Canadian Press and won the Lou Marsh Trophy as Canada's Athlete of the Year, all for the year of 1980. 
In February 1981, the Marathon of Hope surpassed Fox's goal of $1 raised for every Canadian when they reached the $24 million mark. In June of 1981, SFU gave the inaugural Terry Fox Gold Medal to Terry, and it is still awarded annually to, quote, an SFU student who has demonstrated courage in the face of adversity and possesses qualities, becoming of a role model. Mm. After months of treatment for metastasized cancer, Terry caught pneumonia in June of 1981 and went into a coma. He would die a day later on June 28th, one month before his 23rd birthday, meaning he was just 22 years old. I did not know that. Yeah. He was really, really young. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, if we can just pause here yep. and think about everything that has happened in this story so far. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, by the way, he was... Not even, he was just barely almost 23. Yeah. What? Just barely legally old enough to, to drink in the States. And he has gone through like several drastic life changes and just decided, yeah, I'm just going to try to cure fucking cancer and run across yeah. the second largest country on the planet. Bye I can't, I, I just can't even imagine like what would have happened if he hadn't had to stop. Yeah. Like if, or if he had had to stop, but then was able to recover. Right. And just like what, yeah, you just wonder what he would have been able to accomplish. Like I'm, I might actually cry. No, that's fair. I did not it's, know that I cared so much about Terry Fox. It's a really emotional story. Um, and it, it also, well, it was emotional for people at the time as flags across the country were flown at half mast in the house of commons that day, prime minister Trudeau said, quote, it occurs very rarely in the life of a nation that the courageous spirit of one person unites all people in the celebration of his life and in the morning of his death. Trudeau expressed on behalf of all Canadians, once again, quote, our profound gratitude for the gift which Terry gave to all of us, the gift of his own boundless courage and hope. I can keep going if you need. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Terry Fox received many more honors following his death. In the summer of 1981, the federal government established a $5 million endowment in Terry's name to provide scholarships to young Canadians, and Canada's Sports Hall of Fame inducted him into the honorary member category. The Canadian press named him the Newsmaker of the Year for the second year in a row, and in April of 1982, Canada Post issued a stamp in Terry's honor, foregoing its rule to wait at least 10 years after a person's death before doing so. In June of 82, a monument of a bronze statue of Terry Fox was unveiled near where he was forced to end the Marathon of Hope outside of Thunder Bay. I've actually been there. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, we went to Thunder Bay when I was a kid and we, we stopped there because like the Terry Fox run was a big part of things in our hometown. So Yeah. I remember was, doing uh... the Terry Fox run too, but I, oh, totally. I didn't know any of this. Mm -hmm. Like until we started doing the research for this, I was like... We had... A member of his family come to our school one time to, to kind of explain was it all of this. Was I, it Daryl? Was it Rolly? I feel like it was Betty, but I, I would have to check the timeline on okay. that. Um, but yes, it, we had a member of her uh, of the, the Fox family come to, to kind of explain things. And it, it yeah, it, it's always been a big part of kind of the school calendar in, mm -hmm. uh, in my hometown. Many schools, buildings, roads, and parks have been named after Terry, including a provincial park and a mountain in BC. BC, along with Manitoba and Ontario, have all declared an annual Terry Fox Day 
in his honor. In September of 1981, the first Terry Fox run took place in 760 locations. The event raised $3.6 million with over 300,000 participants. The next year, the run takes place in April and it totals $27.8 million. Most runs take place in September now and are organized and made official through the Terry Fox Foundation. In 92, the first international Terry Fox runs are held around the world. Participating countries were, this is actually a very long list. Yeah. Australia, Belgium, China, Czech Republic, England, Germany, Hungary, India, Japan, Jordan, Kuwait, Malaysia, Mexico, Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Romania, Russia, Saudi Arabia, the U.S., and Zimbabwe. Millions of dollars are raised every year with locations hosting the Terry Fox runs. And in 1999, Terry was voted Canada's greatest hero in a national survey. In 2005, the 25th anniversary of Terry's Marathon of Hope saw the Canadian Mint launch the Terry Fox $1 coin. The book Terry is released. A children's book, A Story of Hope, is published. And CTV produces the motion picture Terry. Over 14,000 Canadians walked the Confederation Bridge between PEI and New Brunswick as part of a unique Terry Fox run. And more than 3 million students and teachers took part in the first National School Run Day. More than $45 million, which is still a record, was raised in 2005. I'm surprised at your lack of reading uh, all of these dollar amounts and not saying dollars. Oh. You're impressing me a lot. Oh, you're welcome. Not as much as Terry Fox impresses me. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, of the two, this this one feels like a, a substantially <laughs> lesser accomplishment. In 2007, the Terry Fox Research Institute was launched, combining the clinical knowledge of cancer physicians with advanced laboratory expertise of, of scientific researchers, overcoming barriers of discipline and geography. It sounds kind of like this um, institute is like, you, both of you people know things, so now talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> At the 2010 Olympic Winter Games in Vancouver, Terry's mom, Betty, so sweet, was one of the eight flag bearers who carried the Olympic flag during the opening ceremonies. The Vancouver Olympic Organizing Committee also presented figure skater Joanny Rochette and cross-country skier Petra Magdic with the Terry Fox Award for showing determination and humility in the face of obstacles. Joanny had lost her mother suddenly during the games while Magdic, and here's a wild story for you. Yeah, this is... Crazy. This is absolutely bananas. She skied off course during a warm-up run, fell down a bank into a three-meter deep gully where she crashed on rocks, breaking her ski equipment, and sustained four broken ribs along with a pneumothorax. She completed but collapsed in pain after her qualifying round and was taken to the hospital, and there's footage of her doing this qualifying round. Um, she's literally screaming with each push-off. She's mm. like, ah, ah, like every single time the, the ski poles hit the ground. Um, she returned to the course after being in the hospital and despite her pain, won the quarterfinal and just made it through the semifinals. During the semifinals, one of her broken ribs pierced her lung, collapsing it. She still managed to finish third, winning the bronze medal in the final, the first individual Winter Olympic medal for Slovenia in 16 years. She attended the medal-giving ceremony with a tube in her chest because of that pneumothorax she had. Dude! Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, we, we should do another episode just on this girl. Just on her. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. 
In 2012, Terry Fox was inducted into the Canadian Medical Hall of Fame in the builder category for his efforts in raising money for cancer research. A bronze statue commemorating the moment Fox dipped his leg in the ocean in St. John's, Newfoundland, was unveiled near the exact spot where it happened in 2013. Fox was inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame in Toronto. And April of last year, the Terry Fox Foundation announced that over $800 million has been raised to support cancer research in Terry's name, which That's is really great. Yeah, unbelievable. Really, yeah. really, really great. I, I've been saying unbelievable a lot, but this whole thing, yeah, like it just, it seems, uh, yeah, it seems like a movie that this whole. It is. It's called Terry. Right. Yeah, I suppose. Produced by <laughs> CTV. Another part of this I had no idea was Terry Fox had Métis heritage through his mother's side of the family. Betty Fox was the daughter of John Wark and Marianne Gladue, whose own great-grandmother, Madeline Poitras, was Métis. However, Gladue was reluctant to discuss this aspect of her background, and the entire family did not realize they had Métis heritage until after her death in 2001. Many of the family have since proudly declared their heritage, including Terry's brother, Daryl. Métis Nation British Columbia has confirmed his status and that of his daughter, Alexandra. In 2014, MNBC awarded the Order of the Sash to Terry Fox, quote, in recognition of his contribution and sacrifice to our nation and for giving so much of himself in the name of kindness. And that is the incredible story of Terry Fox. I honestly had no idea. And I feel so stupid because in all of like junior high and high school, mm -hmm. uh, I did the Terry Fox run. Right. Like it was just like we would walk like a kilometer around the school or whatever it was. But it was like so much of a pain. I was like, this is so dumb. I don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> and now I'm reading all this and I'm like... <laughs> Younger Kim, you stupido. <laughs> no, that and that's fair. And like, um, I, I don't think he would want you to think it's stupid, but I, I don't think that Terry Fox, just seeing all this, would want it to be about him. He would want it to be totally. about like the, the work that is being done and, and everything along those lines. So um, I, I feel like he might be okay with not necessarily being in the spotlight. But yeah, no, it's, it, it's a crazy tale. And for whatever reason, it, it's a very... It's a very big deal where I grew up, so this was mm -hmm. all, all stuff. Not that I knew every last second of this, no. but yeah, this was. It's one of the the like great. I don't want to say great because the dude died, but um, it's one of the more incredible stories that you will hear. Just yeah. what this guy went through in such a brief time on this planet, and now, um, like he he has now been gone longer than he was alive, yeah. and he's had such an incredible impact on this planet. It's incredible like i'm i'm totally. using the same descriptor words over and over again but a, a lot well, of this i'm speechless for anyways yeah, hopefully... he was an incredible person yes and i'm really glad that you suggested doing this episode because it's the name of the show but i honestly had no idea yeah and the, the timing of it um we, we didn't necessarily know how long the indigenous episode was going to go yeah um and when we decided we were going to do this was the the anniversary of him passing away mm -hmm. back in in 1981 which would have been the 40 year anniversary of that so wow. yeah no it's just a, a remarkable 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 human mm -hmm. being and also kudos to everyone who kind of picked up the ball after yeah. he, he could like his body would literally no longer allow him to to do this thing and now every year more and more people like we are probably not very far away from a billion dollars being raised in terry fox's name for for cancer research which yeah. is awesome which is awesome yeah yeah 
Um, okay. Well, thank you for uh, joining us mm-hmm. in this podcast. I know I certainly learned a hell of a lot. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm going to go for a walk. Legitimately, I'm going to go for a walk after <laughs> this because I just, I, I feel like I need to do something. Like he did so much in such a short amount of time and I'm like, just going to pet some cats and continue to like do nothing. It feels like. <laughs> Uh, before we go, next week's episode. Yes, next week's episode. We uh, this came as a suggestion from a dear friend of ours, the Emu Wars. So we're a bit of a turn of Australia, <laughs> uh, as well. Um, we're kind of gonna make it uh, like an episode about animal attacks. I think that oh. that would be really fun. Okay, because yeah. there's also an island in. Uh, I want to say India. Okay. We'll look this up more, but it has um, ocean so. ocean swimming tigers. <laughs> oh, that, sweet. That their their main source of food is human. The natural predator for the sea caribou. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it with the caribous. Uh... Uh, yeah, this is one I have literally no idea about. Everything no. that we say on this show next week is going to be new information to me. Yeah. And the way we decided on this was you were having this conversation while I was in a different place. Yeah. And I just got this a text. I just got a text from you saying emu wars. No context. I didn't even explain Literally it. Literally none. Yeah. That, that was, it was a two word text that I received <laughs> said emu wars. I was like, okay. Care to elaborate? And I did not. Right. Yeah. It's a podcast idea. <laughs> okay. Cool. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. So that is coming up next week yes and uh thank you so much for downloading this episode please subscribe if you haven't already leave a review rate uh if you want to send us an email we are we had no idea podcast at gmail.com if you wanted to follow us on instagram or send us a message on instagram we would love that it's we had no idea podcast that's it that's it thank you thank you so much and we'll talk to you next week Bye. bye